You may be seated this morning. It's good to see everybody here. I'm excited about the sermon this morning because when you begin to study and God begins to lay a message on your heart, you know what his heart is. And you understand that as he begins to give you a topic or as he begins to give you a, 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 some kind of, of avenue to go, you know that that's what's on the mind and the heart of God. And it's a, a good subject. I think you're going to be blessed. I know that these verses of scripture that we used in our text is common to us as Pentecostals. And usually when these verses of scripture used in the context of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and it refers to the day of Pentecost. This happens mainly because this prophecy was the fulfillment of that on the day of Pentecost. However, I want us to look at one factor of the prophetic nature or the prophetic promise of this scripture. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the outpouring that we forget other promises that's in this passage of scripture. I want us to notice that in the last days, according to Joe's prophecy, prophecy that not only is his Holy Spirit going to be poured out, but it's going to be poured out upon our sons and upon our daughters. These are not just words. They're prophetically uttered by the scripture. In other words, they're divine prophetic promises to us. There is a promise to me that the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out upon my Benjamin. There is a promise to me that the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out upon my Jonathan. There is a promise to me that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out upon my Samuel. That's what God has promised me as a believer, as a Christian, that God is going to pour his Holy Spirit out upon my children. And if there's one thing that I want us to understand, I want us to understand that the, I want us to understand the actual blessing, this actual blessing that directly applies to those of us that's walking in the new covenant. There are special blessings that apply to the believer's life through the blood atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the forgiveness of sins. There's the healing. There's deliverance. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's the blessings, uh, uh, the promise of blessings. There's a promise of anointing. There's promises of eternal life. And the list goes on and on and on. However, I want us to understand that because of our faith and our confession and our acceptance of Jesus Christ, that the new covenant or the atonement blessings of Jesus' blood is also indirectly applied to our loved ones by covenant. In other words, what that means is, is this, that God has made a covenant with me that he's going because of my faith, bless my children. Come on, somebody. And I want you to know, it's not just a promise. It's not just a statement. It's not just an agreement. It is actually a covenant that God has made. And it is a blood covenant that he's made through his son. If you go back to the covenant of the uh, of Abraham and the covenant of uh, that God had made with him uh, the how he would bless his seed and how his seed would be blessed for generation to generation he done that through a blood covenant uh, and let me tell you what that means the blood covenant means that blood was spilt on the behalf of that covenant and ever who broke that covenant must die God said if I break my covenant with you I will surely die so we know that God's not going to break his 
his covenant because he's a faithful God. How many believe that God's a faithful God? So God has made a covenant with me and God has made a covenant with you because of your faith and because of you coming in alignment with God that you and not only you but your seed shall be blessed. Somebody help me preach this sermon today because God is stirring my spirit in something that I believe that God has spoke directly to me about what's fixing to happen in some of your households. Something that you've longed for, something that you've desired, something that you've warred over, something that you've prayed over, something that you've cried over, something that you've fretted over. Oh, get ready because there's a shaking covenant. Why? Because I got a covenant God. It's not a contract that I have with him. It's not a promise I have with him. It's a divine covenant. It's a blood covenant. He's promised it to me. And if God promised it to me, he's a God that cannot lie. Can I have an amen? Oh, Shanda Bahaya. Woo. Our lives as believers is not only a blessed life. How many's got a blessed life? How many's got a blessed life? That's better. John 10, 10, the thief coming not but to kill and steal and destroy, but I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. But not only we as believers have a blessed life, but our lives bless others as well because of our salvation. If there's one thing that I have to realize and understand, and that is God loves my family. And God, you have to understand that God loves your family even more than what you do. God loves your children more than you love your children. There are a lot of people that have a hard time believing this promise, especially when they're struggling with unbeliever sons and unbelieving daughters and unbelieving grandchildren. It's hard to believe that God loves your children when you see them being tyrants and opposers of the faith and living ungodly. However, I want you to know that God is concerned over your family here this morning and it's his desire that our families bring in a great heritage. Psalms 115 verse 14 says, may the Lord give you increase more and more and and even over your children. Whether we realize it or not, our salvation makes a difference, not only in our lives, but the lives of our family and the lives of our children and the lives of our grandchildren. Listen to what Psalms 112 verse 1 through 3 says. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Woo. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. His righteousness endure forever. The psalmist actually said that our seed would be mighty in the earth, not only in heaven, but on the earth, and be blessed because of our faith. The blessings of salvation would involve both wealth and riches and righteousness and blessings. You say, well, I don't see that right now. It may not be there right now, but it's coming, honey. Get ready, it's coming. There, this is why that David said in Psalms 37, 25, I have been young and now I'm old, but I have have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed out begging for bread. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm here to tell you some of us are first generational Christians, but there are some of you that are second generation and third generation and fourth generation. And your fourth generations, you're living under divine privilege because it is a direct result of your ancestors' faith that you are where you are at today. I want you to know that some of you are blessed because mama was blessed. And some of you are blessed because grandma 
grandpa was blessed. Come on, somebody. You're where you're at, some, some of you, because of your ancestors. They it, it, it passed generational blessings upon your life. You ought to just lift up the, your hand and praise God. Those of you that's got a godly heritage, can you say Amen. Oh, but there's something even greater than that. Sometimes it seems that sometimes that skips a generation. I don't know how or why, but the Lord showed me something in my own family. I uh, began to look up my ancestors, and I didn't know anything about them. And I started investigating them, and I'd done a family tree. got really wrapped up in it for a while. And I found out who my great-granddaddy was on the Miller side. And his name was David, uh, yeah, David Miller. And then, and then uh, I found out my great-grandfather, his name was uh, uh, Jack Miller, and that went on all the way back to John Miller. And way back in the 1700s, he's buried in somewhere over in Indiana at Miller's, uh, Miller's Church, Miller's Cemetery, where he was a pastor. And I started following the lens, pastor after pastor after pastor, minister after minister after minister. And I thought, where in the, why am I called to preach? I can tell you why. I had a great, great granddaddy that was a preacher. I had a great, great, great granddaddy that was a preacher. I had a great, 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 great granddaddy that was a preacher. And what's so odd is that when I got to running the names, every one of my children are named after them, and I didn't even know. Weirdest thing I ever seen in my life. And my daddy was not a preacher. He wasn't even a Christian. But when I got saved, it went backwards instead of even forwards. The blessings that came upon me from my granddad that seemed, or great granddad that had seemed to skip a generation begin to flow backwards through my life and guess what? My daddy got saved and my mama got saved and my brother got saved and my grandma got saved and my grandpa got saved as a result of my life. I want to tell you here today, God understands where you're at with your loved ones. And God has spoken to me and he's promised me that he's going to start dealing with your sons. He's going to start dealing with your daughters. He's going to start dealing with your loved ones. It's a forward off. God's about to bring them in. Can you give the Lord praise? Oh, hallelujah. Woo! Brother Miller, what are you doing? I got to get them doodads off my back. Hallelujah. Righteous people's children are blessed whether we see it or not. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 11, verse 20, 21, listen to this. They that are of a forward heart are an abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in, the, in their way, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. Though hand join hand, listen to this, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. When I began to read that, I thought, wow, what a revelation. Again, this tells us that there are special privileges upon the seed of the righteous. Though the seed of the righteous, this is what he says, this is not my preaching, it's the word of God, Though the seed of the righteous are hand joined to hand with the wicked. They're away from God. They're not living righteously. They're hand in hand with the wicked. 
And we know that we're not to have fellowship with darkness. We know that light don't have fellowship with darkness or we don't have righteousness, don't have fellowship with unrighteousness. And we know that God, we don't have, God don't have fellowship with Baal. We know that we're to be separated, to come out from among them. But yet this is telling us, though our seed be hand in hand with the wicked and away from God, the wicked's gonna be punished, but the seed of the righteous is gonna be treated differently. They shall be delivered. <laughs> don't tell me your prayers don't make a difference. Don't tell me God don't show extra mercy towards those that have come from the lineage of the righteous. Come on, we make a difference. Your faith makes a difference in your family's lives. God honors our obedience by blessing our seed. This is why the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. Notice that the refuge is for the man's children who has the fear of the Lord upon him. Those that have the fear of the Lord can have strong confidence that God has a place of refuge for his children. You may not see it, you may not understand it, but God is doing far more in your children's lives than what you can ever imagine or what you can ever even think due to your relationship that you have with him. And that's why it's so important to keep your faith. Amen? You lose your faith, your children lose the covering, they lose the blessing. Amen? God is giving our children special protection and covering just because we have a love for him. We will never understand, we will never know if the full length of what God is protecting our children from right now just because of who we are. Can I have an amen? It may be true that our children don't always live up to the standard that we desire, you know, they have to go through some things and sometimes they have to learn some things. But the truth of the matter is some of us don't even live up to the standard that we desire for ourselves. Amen? It may be true that they, they may compromise their spiritual convictions. They're not a, they don't always uphold or embrace the Christian principles that they've been taught, they've been trained in. They have to learn some lessons. They may not always live the way they were raised, but I'm here to tell you, God still has an eye seeing eye upon the children of the righteous. Amen. His eyes are upon them even when the enemy and the demonic powers of hell seem to have encroached upon the family unit and brought shame to the family and disgraced that family due to their failure. And with all the attacks on the Christian home today and the rise of hatred toward the Christian families, with all of Satan's evil attempts to totally annihilate the sacred institution of the Christian home, and with all of his evil schemes to mock and to ridicule and to embarrass the Christian family and to try to make the families hang their head down in shame, with all of the evil forces that's out to kill, to steal, and destroy the Christian family as a whole, yet God has given us so many promises concerning our household and I'm here to tell you that our groanings have not gone unheard and our agonizing prayers will be answered and the power of God is overseeing and overshadowing and he's coming in like a flood to raise up our loved ones out of the pit of despair and out of the miry clay and set their feet upon a rock and establish their goings. I'm here to tell you that God is out to save those that are lost especially the sea. Of the righteous. Isn't that what Isaiah 60 and 1 said? Arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord is set upon you and engrossed darkness and the darkness came upon the earth and upon the people. But 
My glory shall come upon you and you'll see your sons come from afar. Your sons, who is it? Gonna come from, and your daughters will be nursed right by your right side. Kings shall see the glory and come to your rising and bow down before you. I'm here to tell you, look at somebody and say, we're blessed. No matter what the enemy says, no matter what kind of picture he may paint us with the actions of what our children are doing in front of us, I'm still here to proclaim to you today that the righteous kids are blessed. They're going to be blessed and God's contending with them. I want you to do me a favor this morning. I want you to just stand up right where you're at and I want you to start pronouncing blessing over your children. Name them by name. I bless Ben Miller. I bless Jonathan Miller. I bless Samuel Miller. I pronounce blessings upon my sons. I pronounce protection upon my sons. I pronounce healing upon my sons. I pronounce divine covenantal blessings upon Benjamin and Jonathan and Samuel right here this day in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, let the Lord bless this thing today in Jesus' name. Now give him a hand clap of praise for keeping covenant. Yes. No devil in hell can stop my Benjamin, my Jonathan, and my Samuel from being blessed. My Andrew, Audrey, Remy, Braylon, Chaz, Jedediah, Whitaker, or Jack, they're blessed. They're blessed. I said they're blessed. And my Juliet, she's blessed. She's blessed. We went for a hearing test on Thursday, those of you that may not know it, for my little deaf girl. Got in the room and they put a little device on their ear, hooked up her cochlear. She was sitting there watching a little cartoon. She had woken up and they said, you gotta calm her down so we can see expressions, we gotta read expressions. So they finally got her t tuned into this phone and she's sitting there like this. They turned it on and went through the low Frequencies, nothing. Went up a notch, went through them. 20 of nothing. Got up to the, I think, the third level. And all of a sudden, they're going through that thing and says, okay, we're fixing to turn it on and see what she does on this level. One, two, three, and she went. <laughs> Hallelujah. They said, well, let's try the next tone. They went to the next tone on that same level. So let's see how many of these tones. There's 22 of them. And Let's see how many she hears on this level. Went to the second one, and she's sitting there looking back at her thing and like can't hear anything and said, ready, one, two, three. 
She responded over half of those. And it went on, and finally they said, okay, what we're going to do now, we're going to turn it way up. <laughs> we're going to see if she can hear through the microphone, through the device instead of through the computer that's going direct. So they put the device that she's going to hear like on an everyday level, turned it up and said, we want her mama's voice to be the first voice she hears. So let's see if she can hear Ashley's voice. So Ashley's holding her and she's squirming around. One, two, three. Ashley says, baby, and she goes, ah! Starts bawling her eyes out, scared her to death. Never have heard a voice before. Never heard, heard anything before. They said, turn that down. We don't want her to not like it. And they're winging her, and every day we're going to build that up and build that up, and it won't be long till my little baby's going to be hearing in Jesus' name. Can I have an amen? Don't tell me I ain't blessed! Hallelujah. There are special blessings on the home of salvation. We need to appropriate it, speak it, believe it, proclaim it, praise God for it, even though it don't seem like it's happening. I remember George Lawrence. Hope he don't mind me. You don't mind me using your testimony, do you, George? Out running from the Lord and into different things and just really just not living the life that he should have been raised up in church. He knew better. I chased him. Everybody chased him there for a while. And not only that, his mom and daddy, old Valerie and them and Terry just keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. And when it looked like there was no hope, he just, the more they prayed, the darker he went. The more rebellion seemed to come upon him. People would say, I don't understand. It seemed like you pray for these kids and they just, they just go off the deep end. Do they really? Look where he's at today. Stand up, George. Sing it on the praise team. Save, sanctify, fill with the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me that my God cannot deliver whosoever will. Andrew Persons, we've chased him all over the place. Always tender-hearted, come in, couldn't take it, leave crying, and just run from the Lord for I don't know how long. Look where he's at today. There he is. <laughs> hey. You'd find yourself praying sometimes. You'd say, now, Lord, we've tried everything. I remember praying this one time in the middle of the night. I was praying for Andrew, and the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning. I said, pray for Andrew right now. He, it's, it's serious. Pray for him. I didn't know what was going on. I rode out of bed, and I started praying for him, and I felt like it was urgent. Come to find out that night he was in great danger about that time. And the Lord just had me interceding for him. And finally, after much prayer, I began to say, okay, now, Lord, I, 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 just, I just pray whatever it takes. Just, just, just turn this boy around. And I thought, no, your love gets in the way. No, Lord, don't do anything bad. Just... You know, and then you start backing up on what you're praying because you love them. And finally that night, I just bared it out. I said, oh, God, 
I love him too much to let him be where he's at. Would you just save him? And I look back there today. He said, here he is, got a lovely Christian wife. Him a man of God, fixing to have a baby. He's fixing to start a heritage. I want to tell you, he's blessed. Didn't always look like it was going to go that way. Oh, Sandra would get them women together and they'd pray over that boy, pray over that boy, pray over that boy. I'd hear Jenny's phone go off. Doom, doom, doom. I'd say, What's that? That's Sandra asking prayer for Andrew. And they'd start in praying. That went on for a long, long, long time. And there were times, I'm sure, they thought, Well, this ain't working. They'd pray, and what would happen the next day? Something bad would happen. Don't give up. I'm here to tell you. Though you don't see it, God's going to bless the righteous. Look at the example of Noah. Do you think that God asked Noah to build an ark just to save animals? No, no, no. God actually had the ark prepared for Noah and his family. Listen to Hebrews 11:7. By faith, Noah, being delivered, warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became the heir, say heir, of righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah has become the heir of righteousness, and as a result of it, because of his heir of righteousness, it was imputed unto him as obedience and faith. And because of his faith, God spares his household. Think about that. Think of the faith that Noah had because during back in those times it never rained upon the earth at all. Only a dew had come up in the morning. Never had seen rain. And God says it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. What do you mean rain for 40? And he builds an ark on dry ground where only mist comes up. That took some faith. But let me tell you, he built an ark to the saving of his family. Did you know Jesus Christ is our ark? Because he's our living way. He is the way, the truth, and the life for us as believers. He's our ark. And when we put our trust in him, it's like putting our trust like Noah did in his ark. We put our trust in Jesus Christ. People begin to mock old Noah and poke fun at him, ridicule him, laugh at him because of his faith. In a world that's filled with iniquity, there is only one person who found grace in the sight of the Lord during that time, and it was Noah. Listen to what Genesis 6 and 8 says. But Noah, say, but Noah found grace, say grace, in the eyes of the Lord. In Genesis 7, 1, the Lord said this to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, I love it, because I have seen that you are the righteous man before me in this generation. And notice that Noah's faith was what allowed his family to be saved and blessed. It wasn't Noah's son's faith, it wasn't Noah's wife's faith, it was Noah's faith that God made a covenant with him that his household would be saved. The apostle Peter wrote this centuries later in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, God spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person. Why did he put the word eighth person there? A preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Noah's family received special privileges due to Noah's faith because he was the eighth person. In other words, his faith was like a shield. It was like a shield to the rest of them. Noah couldn't get on the ark till they got on. He's the last one in line. And as them kids and them and that wife got on board, then Noah walked on, it said that the Spirit of the Lord shut the door behind Noah. It was Noah's faith that saved his household. The Lord is concerned about our families here today. 
I want you to know he's working on your behalf. Even though each member of your household has a free will, whether or not to accept the call to salvation in Jesus Christ, you can count on the Lord's dealing with those of your family in such a way that he's going to do everything he can to save them. You can count. How many knows what Paul said in Romans eleven twenty six? It says that all of Israel shall be saved. There's coming a time when Jacob's trouble is going to come upon the earth, known as the tribulation period. It is a period that Israel goes into a corrective time. They go into the corrective rod of God, and God is chastising those in whom he chose because they did not choose him. When you go to Israel today, they are mostly all agnostic. There's very few what we call messianic Jews that believe in Jesus Christ, very few. Very few people over there are saved, and yet Paul in the book of Romans chapter 11, 26 says, but all of Israel is going to be saved. If God knows how to take a nation that is agnostic in nature and bend them to the point that all of them are going to be saved, what can he do for your children? If God can bend a whole nation to where they fall on their knees and repent, and accept the true Messiah, Jesus Christ. They'll do that in the tribulation period. And can I tell you, if God's able to persuade a whole nation to bend, who do you think your child is that could resist the bending corrective rod of God? Can I have an amen? I want you to know that when you're righteous before the Lord, your entire family will be touched and beckoned by God's amazing grace. It's God's desire to protect, to bless the entire family. Look at the different people that you've seen just here recently in our church give their heart and life to Jesus. We can mention more than George and more than Andrew, the people we've warred over. And some of you still warn and ain't seen any results yet. You will. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, God commanded Moses to speak to the people of Israel about God's concern for the salvation of the whole family. Listen, Exodus 12 and 3 Speak unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, that you shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Now, when you begin to, we know what that is. It's called the Passover lamb. We see that during the Passover feast, that it was a tradition that every Jewish family would take one lamb for one family. One lamb was to be taken care of that entire household. God's intention from the very first Passover was for the lamb to be sacrificed for each house. It wasn't a lamb for each person. It was a lamb for each household. The shed blood was to cover every person that dwelt inside that house. The blood was to be placed upon the doorpost and it was a protection for the entire household. It wasn't just for the father, but it was also for the wife, for the children, and guess what? It was forever, even the neighbor, if the neighbor came over and, 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 and stayed with them in that house. Listen to what verse four says. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next into his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to the eating shall make your account for the lamb. Sometimes I think that we fail to see the power that's in the leadership of a home that is saved. And I think we fail to see the power and underestimate the power and the ability of the shed blood of the Lamb of God. It can even affect your neighbors. Amen? This is what our text said in verse 29 about his spirit being poured out. 
And also on my men's servants and upon my maidservants, I will pour my spirit out in that day. Do we understand that prophetic promise? The manservants and the maidservants were the servants of that household that lived among, they weren't even family. They were maids. They were servants. They worked the fields. They cleaned the tables. They fed them. They were, they, they were, they were servants in that home. And God said, when I pour out my spirit, I'm going to pour it out not upon my children that say, but their children that, that live in the household. And if there's handmaidens and if there's servants there, I'm even going to bless them. Amen. The salvation of the parents would even affect and bless the servants of the house. Listen to what Psalm 69 and 36 says. The seed also of his servants shall inherit it. Talking about Judah, Zion being established, which is salvation. And they that love his name shall dwell therein. The manservants and the man, uh, uh, maidservants' children would even be blessed to the father and the mother's salvation of their home. Look at Psalms 102, verse 28. The children of thy servants shall continue and their seed shall be established before you. Everyone that lives and resides that's raised in a home that has been saved will be blessed due to the salvation of those parents. I remember even indirectly how that Randy West always talks about he has an aunt. Is it Betty? Aunt Betty. They didn't go to church, but Aunt Betty had come by and get in, we're going to church and just start dragging them to church. Well, I want to tell you, because of Aunt Betty and her faith, guess what's happened? Stand up, Randy. Right there's a product of her faith. And if Donna was here, his sister, or Sharon, or Janet, guess what? They could stand up too. Because of one woman's faith and her faith believing and her blood covering coming under to protect them. Do you remember the story of Paul and Silas in prison? I'm gonna have to hurry. They go to prison for preaching the gospel, being whipped and beaten, and because the jailer had received such a charge, he put them in the innermost parts of the prison so they wouldn't escape. Because to escape meant that if he escaped under Roman law, that the person who watched him would be killed if the fugitive got away, then their life would be pay the exchange for it. So he thrust him in the most inner prison behind the fifth ward. And not only did he put him in prison and lock the door, chained his hand, their feet, chained their hands. And at midnight, you know the story, Paul and Silas begin to sing praises unto God. God got to get a little happy and he who sits on the throne began to tap his foot. His foot began to tap the earth and the earth began to shudder. And they began to tap it so loud, all of a sudden, the foundations of the temple began to rattle. And all of a sudden, he got a little bit happy. A Pentecostal mood hit God. <laughs> he got to patting it a little bit heavier, and guess what happened? All of a sudden, the boom, the doors opened up. Boom, the chains fell off and the shackles fell off. And all of a sudden, the, ward, the, the, the guy that was watching them wakes up and sees that they're not in their cell. And he takes a sword He's about to kill himself because he knows the punishment. He'd rather kill himself than go through the torture of what they're going to put him through. So he starts to kill himself, and all the voice, suddenly he hears Paul say, hey, do thyself no harm. We're here. We ain't went nowhere. What a miracle that was. And he looks at him and scratches his head and gets to thinking, what, in the world, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou and thou household, and thou shalt be saved. 
And the man believed. So instead of killing himself, they got out of the prison and went down to his house and his whole household got saved. Come on, somebody. And as a result of that, guess what? At way past midnight, they went out and had a baptism somewhere. Up in the middle of the night, I can hear Paul in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Boom. Think, what in the world's going out there? Somewhere around one, two, three o'clock in the morning, they're having a baptism service. They get out of the baptism, they go back to the jailer's house, and there they take care of the stripes and the wounds that was upon their backs and fed them and nourished them and helped them. Don't think for a minute that God ain't a God of household salvation. Can I have an amen? Even in the book of 2 Corinthians, God tells you the power of the believer. It says that the, the wife that saves sanctifies the husband. Or the husband that saves sanctifies the wife that's unsaved unless their children be unclean. That if Jenny wanted to live like a tyrant, even though I'm a Christian, my house blessed. You say, well, how about all those evil things that's upon her? Hey, they can't come where dark can't have any control where there's light in control. Amen. The light is the stronger force. And I want you to know, even though it may hinder and oppose on the outside realm, on the inside realm, God calls that house blessed because of the one believing parent. That's powerful. There's even a belief, and I kind of believe it myself, that because of a believing parent, the children will go in the rapture. If both parents are unbelievers, I'm not so convinced that the children will go in the rapture. Think about that. But because of who we are, we sanctify those children. Because the Bible says that the believing parent sanctifies the home lest your children be unclean. We're living in a decade that we have to understand something. That no matter where your children are at, don't gripe, don't complain, don't fret, don't worry, exercise your faith. Come on, somebody. There's been some dark times raising those three boys. Oh, come on, don't look at me so piously. There's some dark time raising your children. Amen. There's been times I've walked the floor and Jesus said, what's wrong with you? I don't know, I just feel it. Something ain't right with that boy. I feel it. I know it. I, Lord, Lord. Usually he'd end up showing me what was wrong. It, it'd come to light. Come on, somebody. Well, I could tell you some stories to embarrass them real fast, but there's too many people that know me from Dudley that could talk about my past. Amen. <laughs> I'm here to tell you today, God has spoken to your pastor and he's telling you, don't give hope, give up hope for shortly. You're gonna see one by one, little by little, those loved ones walking down an aisle somewhere and hitting the floor and giving their life to Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me right now? There's a lot about household salvation through the scriptures. We could go on and on and on. I'm on page 13 and I got 20 some pages of notes. 
The Bible says in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 5, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not bow down thyself, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation of them to hate me. When we lose our faith, we lose the seal of the Holy Spirit, whereby we're sealed into the day of redemption. Come on. We let down the hedge, the serpent bites us. When I let down my hedge and I'm bit, it don't only affect me, it's going to indirectly affect every one of my children. Why? Because I'm either passing down blessings or I'm passing down cursing. There's no in-between. Daddy cursed, children's going to be cursed. Isn't that what the Bible just said? Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation. In other words, that's telling me that if I'm cursed with those ungodly curses, Benjamin's and them's living in my house, that that curse will go to them, they'll go to Andrew, and then it'll go from Andrew to the next grandchild all the way down to the fourth grandchild, that those cursings will be there. They're called generational curses. But, listen to this, Deuteronomy 7 and 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is a God, the faithful God who keepeth covenant, say covenant, with them that love him and keep his commandments. He'll keep the covenant and he will keep his promise to the thousandth generation. If the Lord tarry 500 years from now, there's gonna be a boy or a girl that's gonna be preaching the gospel somewhere. Say, I didn't know much about my lineage, but you know what? I don't know where this preaching thing come from, so I started studying. And I went back to my great, 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 great grandpa name. His name was Kent Miller. And because of who he was way back then, a man that feared God, keep his commandments, honored his covenant, I got covenantal blessings all the way down to my generation because of him. What you're affecting ain't only your present, it's your future. The only thing, you're not only blessing here and now, you're blessing when your bones are in the grave, your blessings continue. They just keep going and keep going and keep going. <laughs> Have you ever noticed a lot of times a child that may mess up, get unruly, have a bad time, first thing the church wants to do is crucify them instead of loving them. And then when they come back, oh yeah, I've seen this before. We don't even believe in the ministry of reconciliation. And the, hey, the word reconcile is even greater than the word reconciliation. Reconciliation means to be brought back, but to be reconciled means to be brought back to the place where it never even happened. You don't hold it over their heads anymore. 
And I'm here to tell you, some of you are so embarrassed about what's going on in the life of your children. Don't be embarrassed because this church loves them. We're not going to judge them. We're not going to talk bad about them. If you do, then repent of your sin and ask God to forgive you because by the grace of God, it's not your son or it's not your daughter that's going through whatever they're going through. I don't care how dark it may seem. I don't care how hideous that sin may seem. I'm here to tell you this church loves your family. And we're not here criticizing them and talking evil about them and thinking, ooh, look. I want to tell you we're interceding the blood of Jesus Christ over their lives. Amen. If my sons would ever backslide and get out into a deep pit, I want you praying for them. I don't want you criticizing them. I want you to pray for them. If they don't find the church as a center of refuge, where else do they got to go? Can I have an amen? Now, what I'd like for you to do today, if you've got loved ones, maybe you're a child and it's your mom and dad that's unsaved like me. I got baptized in a pool over in Dudley, and when I come up out of the water, the Holy Spirit spoke to my dad and scared him to death. He said, Kent, it was an audible voice that I heard. I said, well, what did he say? He said, you're next. My dad got saved that night at church. We baptized on a Sunday afternoon, went to church that night. He got saved. Guess what? He was next. Oh, hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, God's about to rock our world. He's bringing in our loved ones. Hallelujah. If you got lost loved ones, and you're concerned about them and you've been praying over them and now your faith has been encouraged that you are making a difference and you're ready to go to warfare in a fresh new way, I want you to come up here and stand. But you don't understand, little Johnny's so burnt out on drugs. You don't understand his life is in shambles. He's had five wives. He's got six kids by five, six different women. And you don't understand, and you don't understand where he's at, and the laws after him, and you don't understand. I don't. I, I don't have to understand. All I got to understand is this: that I have a high priest that's eternal in the heavens, sitting at the right hand of the Father to make intercessory for him, waiting to work on his behalf. Come on, somebody. Don't give up on your loved ones. Don't throw them aside. Say, well, I prayed for them for 20 years. Well, it may be the 21st year they get saved. Don't, don't give up. I knew a, a lady in Dudley who lived with a man that was mean. Mean, 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 mean. And she was one of the most godliest women that you ever, my Sunday school teacher when I was a little boy. Even when I got saved and come back to the church at 19 years old, she was still my Sunday school teacher. A powerful, powerful woman. And people would tell her he'd come in drunk and beat on her and he'd go out on her and do all kinds of things. And they say, you got a biblical right. I want you to just divorce him. I can't. I love him. He's my husband. I love him. So not only that, God's entrusted me 
to get that man saved. He'd come in and he'd look at her and cuss her and say, I hate your God. She said, oh, you'll learn to love him in due time. When he was an old, old man, almost 90 years old, about to fade away from the earth, he came to her, fell on her lap, started weeping and crying and said, I'm so sorry of the way everything I've done to you. But you would make me mad. You would never cuss. You wouldn't. He said, I've done everything in the world to try to get you to deny your God. But your pure living would just torment me. And he said, I ask you to forgive me. Introduce me to this God of yours. He must be real. And she prayed him through. And at the age of almost 90 years old, that man gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. He's talking about a change in his life. Oh my, he didn't live very long after that. But he went to church and he smiled and he gave his life to Christ. Don't tell me God can't save to the uttermost. He saved you, didn't he? Hello? Man, if he can save me, he can save anybody. He loves you here today. But more importantly, he loves your children. He loves what you love. His heart here is bleeding for our children. What God is saying to me as you come, it's like you sitting on the hillside over your family, the way he said over the hillside of Jerusalem of his family. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. As a hen would gather in her chicks under her wings, so I would you, but you would not allow me. And he wept and he cried. He prayed over them. And that's what you're doing over your household right now. And God's gonna honor it. I'm not saying tomorrow you're gonna see any change. Matter of fact, it might get worse tomorrow. You might get chewed out today. It's all right. That's just evidence God's working on them. That's just evidence that they're miserable. Amen. I've got a brother that's unsaved, and I've been praying the fire down on him. Last time I talked to him, he began to talk to me a little bit about the Lord. I didn't have to mention it. And he began to say, and I said, well, he's gotten some, his kid's gotten some problems and gotten some trouble, and it's a long story. And I said, well, Keith, I'll be praying for you. And he said, oh, thank you, Ken. Before we hung up, I said, let me pray right now. And he said, okay. And I started crying. You know what I heard on the other end of the phone? <laughs> he was bawling. His younger baby brother took time to pray over his situation with a boy that's having trouble. And I just prayed so earnestly and so lovingly. And when he got done, he said, oh, thank you, brother. I see that. He didn't want me to know he was crying. He was crying. I want you to know, God spoke this in him, resonated this into my spirit. Believe. I want you to do me a favor. There's something about I don't know, but it's a lot easier for me to pray for your loved one than it is to pray for my own. Because I'm living in the mess of that stuff. It's easier for me to believe for Cole. You know what I'm saying? Man, I want you to pray for my lost brother. I'll pray for Cole. How's that sound? And I want y'all to get in a group there, and I want y'all to pray for one another's families. And pray for their lost loved ones. Speak their name, Bill, John, Joe, whoever. 
lift it up before God here this morning. And let's go into a little bit of warfare and prayer and intercessory for our loved ones. Would you do that right now? Just get in a group and just speak to them. Come here. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Oh my God will never fail. My God will never fail. And I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the And I'm not backing down from any giant Cause I know how this story ends Oh, I know how this story ends And I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the
Oh, uh-huh.